Welcome to the Covenant Journey Podcast. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to deepen your faith, knowledge, and love of our Lord Jesus as we explore the timeless treasures of the Bible. Join us now as we explore God's Word. We're going to continue our study of the book of Revelation today. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Covenant Journey. We're going to begin with chapter 17, and chapter 17 all the way through chapter 20 those particular chapters are some of the difficult chapters to study and to interpret or to apply, and there's lots of different opinions as to the meaning of the specifics within these particular chapters. But don't forget the ultimate purpose of the book of Revelation. It is a revelation about our Lord Jesus Christ, from Him, about Him, and he is the centerpiece of all of the book of Revelation. The example of that is chapters 4 and 5, where, especially in 5, he is the only one worthy to open the book that contains the future out of which the rest of Revelation and the future history actually unfolds. It has this up-and-down pattern, as we have discussed all the way from the very beginning, and that continues all the way to the end, where it starts in heaven, then moves in chapters 2 to 3 to the seven churches on earth, and then back to heaven in chapters 4 and 5 with the picture of God on the throne, the Father on the throne, and the Lamb who is worthy, the Lamb, of course, being Jesus Christ. Then it moves to earth again in chapter 6 and following, and it goes back and forth, back and forth, from heaven to earth, from earth to heaven, almost like the scenes of a play where you change the set after you pull the curtain and another scene unfolds. And whenever the scene on earth gets to be too difficult, too dark, too gloomy, there is a pause, sometimes even a, a temporary pause, maybe just a, a light shining you to heaven, or it could be a chapter or two that takes a longer pause and transforms everything to the next scene, which is in heaven. We're now in chapter 17, and this is the judgment of what's called the great prostitute and the beast. Let's begin with chapter 17, verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on the earth have become drunk. He carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, that was full of blasphemous names. It had seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written the name of Mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes, and of the earth's abominations." And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Now, throughout the book of Revelation, it speaks of those who ultimately have paid the ultimate price, giving their lives because of their testimony in Jesus Christ. It reminds believers, even in times of difficulty, 
to always be faithful and persevere and to follow uh, the Lamb, to not waver. And it also gives us that assurance that in the end, all is well. So it clearly shows throughout the book of Revelation that there are some people who have or will lose their lives for our Lord Jesus Christ. We've seen that throughout 2,000 years of history. I remember seeing these individuals kneeling down, these Coptic Christians, all but one of them was a Christian at the time, and ISIS then went person to person asking them to denounce Jesus, to which they refused to do it, and they were beheaded. The book of Revelation talks about those who were beheaded, like John the Baptist, for example. For their testimony in Jesus, they are there in heaven, these martyrs who paid the ultimate sacrifice. I remember I was at a meeting regarding persecuted Christians. Franklin Graham was speaking. Some of these individual family members of those who had been martyred on the beach there in Libya, the Coptic Christians from Egypt and the surrounding areas, we all assumed that they were all Christians, but one of the things that he shared was one of them was not a Christian until that very moment in which they decided to give their life to Jesus Christ. And what happened is, as these ISIS uh, butchers were going from one person to the next, slitting the throats, beheading those individuals who would not denounce Jesus Christ, when it came to this person who up until this time had not given his life to Jesus, he ultimately said, their God is my God. And with that, he lost his life, but gained eternal life. He obviously, at that moment in time, gave his life, or just before that, in that moment of stress, to our Lord Jesus Christ. His earthly life might have ended, uh, but I believe that God will grant him eternal life, has granted him eternal life because of his testimony for Jesus Christ. When he's talking about their God is my God, he's talking about his faith in Jesus Christ. It's an amazing testimony, which I was not aware of until attending uh, that particular event. Here what we have is this woman is drunk with the blood of martyrs. And what's in this cup is full of abominations, blasphemies against God. Now it speaks about why are you marveling? Obviously John, as he's seeing this in a vision, is marveling. He says, I'm going to tell you the mystery in verse 7 of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. Now, Jesus was and is and is to come. This one was and is not at the time of the writing of uh, John and is to come. It says this calls for a mind, in verse 9, with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are the seven kings also, five of whom have fallen. One is, the, is not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. Now, here's where a lot of different interpretations change. And I'm not going to try to decide those because there's nothing definitive that you can say this is exactly... What it is, I'll tell you what the Bible says when it is clear, 
and they can have different views on other places when it's not 100% clear. And here is one of those moments. What is this particular beast? Now, some say this particular uh, wisdom, it says in verse 9, the seven heads are seven mountains. Well, we know that Rome is also the um, city of uh, seven hills or seven mountains. Uh, we know that that was obviously the Roman Empire, the, the power that was in existence at the time that John is writing this, toward the end of the first century, around 90 A.D. or so, when he's writing it in the 90s, uh, 90 A.D., toward the end of that first century. Rome was in power. At that time, we already had Rome uh, doing all the devastation to destroy the temple in A.D. 70, destroyed the temple so that not one stone was left upon another. We also know that after John uh, completed his earthly life, that the Roman Empire continued to persecute Jews as well as Christians and mercifully massacred uh, them. They did that before uh, John wrote the book of Revelation. In some situations, they used these human bodies as torches to light up the evening night. Uh, but they continued to do that with additional revolts where the revolts happened after John's uh, passing and Rome continued to persecute and persecuted believers down through the history. It talks about how these, this is sitting on seven mountains. It also talks about how this um, kingdom will ultimately be divided. And in fact, it says that they'll be divided over time. What we do know is that Europe was divided, and it was a splintered when the Roman Empire at its apex ultimately began to splinter. It lost its influence, and that's where you get today modern Europe with all of the different uh, entities. Could it be that? Could it be the Roman Empire? Could it be what was happening in Europe could it be uh, uh, false, uh, you know, teachings? There were many false teachings about Christ that already were appearing uh, in uh, the time of the writing of the Gospels, uh, or not, I should say, the writing of the epistles with the Apostle Paul, and certainly at the time of Jesus, as uh, at the time of uh, the writing of the book of Revelation with the Apostle John. Lots of those heresies began. Uh, so you, you had church and state, if you will, and I say church in, in the sense of religion, uh, twisting of the doctrines of Orthodox Christianity coming in also with the state of Rome and the splitting of the Roman Empire apart. Does it refer to all that? It could, certainly. I think people at the time would be reading the book of Revelation and, and believing very strongly that it was talking about the time period in which they live. But also it has an application that exists throughout time. One of the things that I think that is uh, very clear is that despite how you ultimately pinpoint any one of these events, what it does say is that God has a leash on evil. And while sometimes we may not be able to explain it throughout the history and God's plan of salvation, evil sometimes seems to triumph. 
it ultimately plays itself out, and ultimately God will bring judgment to that. That's happened, for example, with various nations that came against Israel. They overstepped their boundary, and they began to go beyond what they were supposed to do to ultimately bring judgment to Israel, to oppressing Israel, and God ultimately terminated their jurisdiction. And you see this happening throughout history. God has a leash on the devil. You see this happening in the book of Revelation. Any authority that the devil exercises, it's within a parameter. It's within a fence, if you will. And God ultimately is in control. You see this playing out through good and evil, the conflict between Christ and Satan, the ultimate plan of salvation, the mystery of the gospel, and the future uh, of our lives and of this planet. And you see what ultimately happens at the end. And the book of Revelation ultimately ends with that good news. Chapter 18 uh, speaks about the fall of Babylon. It says, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She's become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Certainly, Rome was even referred to sometimes as Babylon. But I don't think it's only a past application to Rome, if in fact that is one of the applications that you choose to pursue, and it certainly is a legitimate one. But Revelation doesn't stop in the past. Revelation is a revelation all the way to the future. And one of the things that is clear is we have not come to the final consummation. We have not come to the ultimate final new heaven and new earth. We haven't come to that second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We haven't come to the point where there is no more sorrow, there is no more death, there is no more pain. All the tears are wiped away. There is no more need for the sun. There is no more need for the moon. That has not been filled. The book of Revelation is still in progress. So we can spend hours and days and months and years trying to pinpoint where some of these particular sections in this portion of the book of Revelation ultimately point to what events are they describing? What entities are they referring to? And there's a lot of great discussion on that. I don't want to discourage that at all. But what I do want to reemphasize is don't miss the forest for the trees. Don't ultimately get so consumed on those specific details that you miss the message of revelation. That yes, even when difficult times happen, Remember to focus your gaze back in heaven because there God is in control. God has a plan. He has a plan for you. And not to worry because this life is not all. We have our names written in the book of life. 
what our concern should be is pressing into the Lord Jesus Christ in regular relationship with him. And from that moment on, no matter what happens, good or evil, rejoicing or even martyrdom, God is in control and he's got your number. That is the message of the book of Revelation. We'll pick up with some of the final chapters in the next couple of Bible podcast and ultimately conclude on an amazing note as we finally start to make our way toward the consummation that the book of Revelation began with and now wants to take us to in short order. For more information, visit covenantjourney.org. You've been listening to the Covenant Journey podcast. We hope that we have informed, inspired, and encouraged you to deepen your faith, knowledge, and love for our Lord Jesus as we've explored the Word of God. Visit covenantjourney.org where you can obtain additional notes and information to enhance your study of the Scriptures. The website again is covenantjourney.org. You can also email us at cj at covenantjourney.org. Share this podcast with your friends. Visit covenantjourney.org.